Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the MMA Torch Livecast Tuesday Conversation. I am MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick. My co-host, as always, MMA Torch columnist Matt Pelkey. Uh, Rich Hansen is not with us tonight. He may call in at some point, but uh, his, his wife just had a baby today, so congratulations to Rich, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from him later on. But we've got a, a packed show in here today. We're expecting to hear from uh, Uriah Faber shortly, uh, hoping to have him call in um, very soon, and then we'll also have renowned Brazilian trainer uh, Sergio Cuna later on the show, uh, so looking forward to that. But, uh, Matt, we had a, another busy week in MMA action with uh, WE, WEC 50 last Wednesday, uh, Bellator 25 on Thursday, and Strikeforce Houston on Saturday. Uh, what stood out to you the most as uh, um, the highlight of the week for you in, with, with three packed MMA events? To be honest with you, the, the highlight of the week for me was Anthony Pettis' performance uh, at WEC. Uh, his big weakness has always been his wrestling, uh, especially his defensive wrestling, and it looked like a bad matchup for him, um, uh, especially in a fight that he needed to win to, to get himself a title shot. And, and he was a completely different fighter than we've ever seen. Uh, you know, striking looked just as crisp as it always does. I uh, don't really know how his submission game was going to look in there because he spent pretty much the entire time on his feet because Shane Roller just down um i think if anthony pettis has has solved his his problems in the wrestling department he's you know legitimately could be a, a top 10 lightweight in in the world and a very exciting fighter and, and breathes some new life in the wec lightweight division which had gotten stale at the top with uh, ben henderson donald Cerrone, and jamie varner uh taking up all the time there but uh i was excited to see some new blood at 155 in the wec uh other than that it you know, despite there being three big events uh, and, you know, the yeah. and strike force, nothing really uh, struck me as being a, a big deal. The Bellator show, I don't know, bad karma coming my way or something. I had to cover that show for you, Jamie, on your birthday, and it was easily the worst effort Bellator has ever had. Uh, decisions everywhere, boring fights, uh, a moderately entertaining kickboxing match between uh, Dan Hornbuckle and Brad Blackburn was the highlight of that show, and, and that wasn't saying much, though. So. Really, uh, the best of last week, I think, was first with, with WEC, which isn't a surprise. They, they become certainly the most reliable MMA promotion out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on uh, Anthony Pettis being, uh, his performance being one of the highlights of the week. I mean, uh, coming into that fight, I know me and Rich had talked uh, extensively 
uh, in the weeks heading into that fight because he, he's in the Milwaukee area and uh, Pettis fights out of Duke Rufus's gym there. So, uh, you know, Rich was very high on Pettis but was uh, very wary of that fight because of Roller's wrestling. And, uh, you know, everyone was expecting, considering the takedown defense Pettis has shown in the past, that uh, he wasn't going to be able to, to handle uh, what Roller was presenting to him. And that just didn't, that wasn't the case at all. Uh, I, I mean, he, his takedown defense was spectacular. Uh, that fight with, with Roller was a lot of fun. Very good back-and-forth fight. And, I mean, I was just very pleasantly surprised by Anthony Pettis. And if he continues to improve upon his game like he has, he's a definite force in the WEC's lightweight division. Um, now, there, there's talk that he might be the next in line for Ben Henderson in December in Arizona. I'm wary of that because while his takedown defense has improved, I don't think it's near the level he'll need it to be to fight uh, Henderson. I'd like to see him get one more fight under his belt. Um, what I want to see is uh, if Jamie Varner gets past Donald Cerrone, rematch Varner and Henderson in December uh, because Varner should have won the fight over um, Kamal Shalarus, uh in, in June and got robbed of a decision there and, and should have been next in line for that title shot anyway. So if he gets past Cerrone a second time, I think um, that fight makes a lot of sense. And then I say you give Anthony Pettis another shot at Bart Pelashevsky, uh, the only person, the only fighter to beat him, and it was by a split decision, uh, and he's improved a hell of a lot in the year since, or in the eight months since that fight. It will have been a year if they match them up on that same December card. And then you match the winner of that fight up with the winner of, Varner Henderson, too. Um, I, I think that's a very good progression for the WEC and I think would make a lot of sense. I think it makes sense. I, I think I've just grown wary of the big three at the, the top of uh, the WEC division. Um, you know, we've seen Henderson Varner before. It wasn't a terribly exciting fight. Uh, it, it seems like the only things we have to get excited about in that division have been rematches. Uh, a Cerrone Henderson rematch, a Cerrone Varner rematch, and now we're talking about a Varney Varner uh, Henderson rematch. I'm ready for some new blood. Uh, I think Anthony Pettis did what he needed to do to earn that shot, and I think the fact that he, you know, hasn't had a, a title shot and that he's a, an exciting fighter can only help him in this case. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I agree with you on on that point, and and it is getting tiresome to see the same guys up there. But at the same time, there's a reason it's been a revolving door uh, with the same three or four guys up at the top of that division. That's because the rest of the WEC's lightweight division just hasn't gotten up to snuff with the rest of uh, with the skill level of those three fighters. Um, and it's hard to put Cerrone in that. He's just had some exciting performances up there, but uh, he's got a lot more holes in his game, I think, than than Varner or Henderson. Um, I'd like to see Henderson get a couple more wins and then make the move to the UFC uh, because he's still a very young fighter and hasn't had a shot uh, at the the guys in the UFC yet. And I want to see how he handles uh, the the better wrestlers in uh, the UFC's 155 pound division as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here, but I think there there are definitely some options for them in December. Yeah, I'm ready for to bring in the flyweight division and merge the, the UFC, uh, you know, excuse me, the WEC lightweights with the UFC lightweights. I know it's easier said than done. I know it's something that's been talked about for so long, but it just seems like the perfect timing to do it right now, uh, especially, um, you know, concerns about bringing in the featherweights would be that they 
you know, there, there's not really a lot of featherweights, or excuse me, uh, the flyweights. Um, there's not a lot of flyweights out there that have a lot of name recognition. Nobody really knows them. But there's there's two guys in the WEC right now that are, are natural flyweights that uh, you could certainly match together to crown your first um, flyweight champion. The only problem is both guys are now currently flosses uh, in Demetrius Johnson and Joseph Benavidez. But I, th- I think those are two people that, that they've seen fight before. Benavidez is obviously would be uh, hopefully for the WEC the, the face of that division at least as it's getting started, uh, and then you can kind of fill in the blanks around them and make a whole division. Um, so, you know, it's easy for me to say, obviously, uh, let's just fold the divisions together and, and, it, and that'll be that. But I, I'm really just anxious to see all the, the quality uh, in the WEC, which, you know, don't get me wrong, there aren't that many, but there are a handful of guys that I would love to see in the UFC and, and you know, really get a better feel for, for where their skills are uh, against the top lightweights in the world instead of uh, fighting in a vacuum where we're just trying to guess how good they are. Yeah, definitely agreed. Uh, well, we have our first guest of guest on the show. Uh, he is the California kid, Uriah Faber. Uh, Uriah, thanks for joining us back on the show again. Uh, great to hear from you again. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Yep, just uh, chilling out here in Sacramento. It's hot. It's like 100 <laughs> It's been a long day. Oh, that's that—that that is brutal, brutal stuff, Uriah. Um, well, uh, we wanted to have you on because uh, you know Reed Harris uh, came out this week after uh, last week's WEC 50 event and um, talked about the fact that uh, he's expecting you back for the November show. Uh, looking at the, still the Takeya Mitsugaki fight, uh, have you signed on for that fight yet? I haven't signed the actual bout sheet, but that's what I've been told also. So. I'm excited about it, man. I was ready to go in September. The end of September is when I was hoping I'd be in there. But, uh, you know, that's uh, that's fine. November is good. I'm, I'm focused. I'm ready to go. I've been training hard, and, and uh, I'm all healed up. Hello? Yep, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the other thing I want to talk to you about, uh, you know, you've got the new uh, Tubes campaign going on with, uh, Danny McBride as Kenny Powers for, for K-Swiss. And uh, from what I understand, uh, K-Swiss has acquired your Forum Athletics uh, uh, clothing company. Um, how, how has that been, and uh, how do you perceive uh, uh, that business relationship right now for your, for your clothing line? Man, it's been huge. You know, K-Swiss is uh, uh, 44 years old, and so a company like that has had so much success, and is a classy brand is... It's just awesome, especially for mixed martial arts. You know, I feel like our brand is kind of the 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 new era of what MMA is all about. And, and to be recognized and, and uh, acquired by K-Swiss in such an early stage in, in the company just shows, you know, that they know, you know, know a good thing. And, and I'm excited about it. Um, we can go global a lot faster than we would have otherwise. Um uh, we're able to go from T-shirts and shorts to a whole line of, of performance apparel and sportswear right away. And we always plan on doing shoes. So uh, now having the K-Swiss shoes, you know, model and, and ability to use all the resources is going to be huge for us. So it's all around great. What, what was Matt, it like filming the commercials? Yeah, yeah. You got me? Yep. All right. You're right. What, what was it like filming those commercials with uh, Danny McBride? Is it hard uh, not to – to, you know, keep the straight face like you had in those commercials? 
Oh, man, I was cracking up. I mean, that was a whole day of of just, I mean, that guy's a riot. He's a real cool dude, real mellow dude, and, and uh, he gets in character, and, and he's got his buddy Jody that's, uh, you know, they went to school together, and, and they, they know each other so well, so it's funny to see work, them work together. But I was dying, man. The guy's a riot. <laughs> Uh, now you're right. You said you're, you know, you were, you would have been comfortable coming back in September. Is is the knee all uh, uh, healed up and ready to go then? Yeah, it's all healed up. You know, I uh, I'm still just just for uh, the sake of being cautious, cautious. But uh, I've been running hard. I've been doing jujitsu. I've been, uh, you know, boxing and and everything else. So um, it, it's good, man. I I, I just you know want to be precautious, but uh, you know the 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 training has gone full go, and, and I feel great. Being uh, cautious in training like that, is there any concern that that's going to carry over into the actual fight, and it'll make you a little tentative in the fight on the knee? Well, what I mean by cautious is just uh, avoiding stuff like you know up until about three days ago, I didn't really start doing a lot of intense kicking just because it was a leg injury, so just you know, being cautious there, but I'll start doing that in a week or so. And also, uh, unless I, unless it's one of my regular, regular training partners not doing any takedowns. I mean, normally I, anywhere I'm at, I'll try to find some guys to do some wrestling with or, or uh, you know, just mix it up with. But, you know, just being familiar with all my partners and up until about, you know, a couple of days from now, uh, I'll be able to do everything. So I, I'm just following what the doctors said to do. But I feel 100%, and I won't be cautious at all during a fight. Now, have you spent any more time looking at any uh, tape on Mitsugaki that you've had, now that you've had a, uh, a couple extra months to prepare for this fight, or is that something you're looking to do here in the next month or so? Yeah, I don't like to dwell on guys I fight, like, months and months in advance. So I really haven't – I mean, I've seen him fight before a couple times, and from what I remember, I just remember him being tough and, and – you know, liking to stand up and bang and hard to hold down. But, I mean, I was there for a lot of his fights. I watched him fight Scotty Jorgensen and uh, Miguel Torres. And, um, I know he's a tough dude, so I'll be prepared, and, and I'll probably watch a little bit of tape, but I don't dwell on things too much. The the fight that probably most fans uh, remember Takeo Mizugaki fighting his title fight against uh, Miguel Torres a couple years ago, that was pretty much a, you know, a five-round slugfest back and forth is is that the kind of fight you're looking for do you want to stand and bang with him or are you going to try and plant him on his back and take him out of his comfort zone um i'm going to try to end him as soon as possible so whether it's on the ground or knocking him out or elbowing him to death you know whatever it takes uh, i'm going to try to end it you know that's always how i fight so um i'm ready for anything i'm very good at jiu-jitsu at wrestling at boxing kickboxing and I'm going to keep on improving, so just uh, going to be going for the kill, period. Uriah, this is going to be your first fight in the WEC at 135 pounds. I know you wrestled in college uh, down at around 133 or uh, or so. Um, are you expecting to have any issues with this weight cut, or is, is it not even going to be a problem? Oh, it's going to be irritating for everyone around me, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm going to be grumpy <laughs> and hungry and all that good stuff, but I actually uh, – started the weight cut, and 
was getting down to like 147 and then finishing the day about 152, 152 and a half uh, after a full meal. So, you know, it's about the same size as... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Most of 35 pounders. Am I going to enjoy it? Most likely not. But I'm going to feel really good there. I'm going to be strong for the weight. I'll probably walk into the, to the cage within a couple pounds of what I normally do anyways. You know, I was a really small 45 pounder. So um, I think... Before I came into the fight against Aldo, I was about 154, 153. I'll probably be about 151, 152 when I get into the cage to fight at 135. So, um, you know, I'm looking to be the bigger guy. You know, I'm not sure how it's going to change my style, if I'm going to be faster or, you know, stronger than other guys or be about even. But uh, I just rely on my skills and, and, uh, you know, kick some butt. The, the 135 pound and Dominic Cruz is a, a guy you've beaten before uh, earlier in, in both of your careers when he was fighting at 105 with you. Um, but but since your fight with him, he's he's beaten your training partner Joseph Benavidez, you know, two times. Is that we we've heard you talk in the past about you know fighting both at 135 and 145, just kind of going back and forth to fight in the big fights. Does does the fact that he just recently uh, beat your your training partner again give you a little extra motivation to, to stick around and, and gun for the title at 135? Um, I mean, extra motivation maybe. I mean, I I really think from a fighting standpoint, Joseph did more damage up until the last 10 seconds where he got a, a cut opened up. But uh, is Dominic doesn't seem like he brings like a, like a finishing mentality in there. So uh, I look forward to fighting him. I learned some stuff off of what, you know, watching him fight Joseph. But uh, I, I want to fight the guy anyways. He's, he's considered the best that way right now, and I don't particularly like the guy. And and uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm motivated to fight him. What is it that you don't like about him? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. You know, I, I would like to say <clears throat> that uh, it's because of when the first time we fought, he was kind of disrespectful. But I mean, I don't really dwell on that kind of stuff. But it just kind of was like a, kind of a, you know, like a little insight to what kind of a, a, a D-bag he is. You know, writing, he, he basically signed, we give away these posters to charity and to the other fighters, and he was signing all over my face, you know, which is just kind of weird. And then uh, just the way he's carried himself, you know, San Diego is where he's, where he's staying now, and... Uh, you know, California is my place, and I've just heard things about him that I don't really like, and 
I think it's going to be a good fight. You're right to talk about that uh, that fight with Joseph and Dominic last last Wednesday. Uh, I, I thought it was a really, really close fight. I actually edged it. I, I scored it for uh, Joseph. I gave him the second, third, and fifth rounds in that fight. Uh, how did you see it going down for yourself, and what do you think Joseph could have done differently um, to swing the fight more in his favor? Well, I had it the same way. I had Joseph squeaking it out. Uh, you know, I, I didn't give as much of uh, emphasis on, on the takedowns because he didn't do much damage during the takedowns. And, uh, you know, like, for example, the first round, Joseph wins the first four minutes, and then Dominic takes him down for one minute, doesn't do any damage, and then they score it for Dominic. I mean, that makes no sense to me. But uh, he just basically needed to not get taken down, and he knew that going in. And, unfortunately, he, he you know, Dominic was very good at his game plan which is kind of how he fights. He's like a game planner. It doesn't seem like he's like a much of like a you know, guy that likes to really mix it up. I mean, he's not – I don't think he's really throwing his like power shots in there. He's kind of like backing away. It's like he backs up and does some footwork, so it looks like he's doing something, but he's still backing up and whiffing with big punches and stuff like that. So uh, it was just mostly frustrating for Joseph, I'm sure, because he's landing all these big punches and then getting – rounds stolen by takedowns, so uh, that's our sport, you know, I, I think uh, Joseph just had to be more aware and, and be able to stop the takedowns, which he wasn't able to. For me, it kind of reminded me of the uh, the Frankie Edgar-BJ Penn fight, where uh, one fighter was, you know, the more active fighter, and, and to the judges seemed to be the more aggressive fighter, uh, and, and the other guy was, seemed to be the guy landing the harder, cleaner shots, uh, you know, obviously in the the Frankie Edgar fight that was Frankie uh, dancing around and being more aggressive and BJ landing the harder shots. Whereas uh, in, in the, the Cruz and Benavidez fight, it was Cruz, you know, being the, the more active guy, but Benavidez landing the harder shots. Um, it seems like judges reward the guy that seems to be more active. Do you think that's a flaw in the way fights are scored or is it just something that you need to, you know, tailor your game around knowing that that's in the back of your head? Well, I mean, it just depends what you think is active because, I mean, if you look at the fight, Joseph was the guy stalking. He was high-paced. And then you look at, you know, Dominic Cruz was maybe more active because he was, like, moving his feet more and throwing more punches that were, like, missing and stuff like that. But, I mean, is it who moves in there more? I mean, you can throw a chicken in the fight and, and all of a sudden the chicken just won. You know, it's like, you know. People would pay to see it. It's like. As long as it looks, it looks like he's doing something, you know. So, um, I mean, you can't really take anything away from Dominic because he's finding a way to win. So, I mean, he, he's a champion right now because of that. But as far as like doing damage, I mean, they should change the name to, uh, you know, the not not Dominator. He doesn't dominate necessarily. Maybe like uh, I don't know, the Decisionator or. The, not the intimidator. He's not intimidating. He doesn't ever finish anybody. So maybe like the irritator, something like that. The dominating doesn't seem like it's a thing necessarily. He more moves around a lot and, and hits guys every once in a while. Maybe the frustrator. He's probably frustrating for guys to fight. But he's definitely not dominating. He's definitely not intimidating. He's good at what he does, which is dance around a lot, hit some guys, and, and get takedowns. I want to ask you about another one of your uh, Team Alpha Male guys that had a very successful night on Wednesday. 
uh, in Scott Jorgensen over Brad Pickett, and he's likely next in line for Dominic Cruz's title. Uh, what did you think of Scott's uh, Scotty's performance, and uh, how do you think a fight with him and Cruz is going to go down? Um, I thought Scott did great, man, and Scotty's been getting better and better, you know, over the years. He's a he's a gamer also, so uh, you know he, he's tough in practice, but he's always better in actual competition. So. I think maybe, uh, you know, the matchup, I'm not sure how that matchup is going to go. Scotty Jorgensen's the better wrestler. Dominic Cruz is very elusive on his feet, and Tom, and, uh, and Scotty likes to kind of march forward, so that could probably give Scotty some problems unless he finds a way to actually uh, to catch him. But, again, I mean, it's going to come down to, you know, how the judges look at that, you know, so... Uh, Scotty's been finishing guys. Uh, I think he has a better chance of finishing, and Dominic has a better chance of winning a decision. So if it gets finished, I think Scotty will win. If it goes to decision, uh, I give Dominic the give Dominic the nod. Now, if if it, sorry, Matt, uh, if Scott wins that fight, uh, and, and if you get past uh, Mitsugaki. Uh, that could be the next fight that people are wanting to set up for the the bantamweight title. Is that um, a fight you'd be willing to take? I know uh, Joseph has gone on on record saying that he would never consider a fight with you, but I know uh, I, I've seen some quotes where uh, Scotty'd be up to it if he needed to. Is that a fight that you would take if uh, if it was on the table? Yeah, it is a fight that, that I would take. I mean, like I said, all if I had my choice, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, but if it comes down to it's our careers and and it's actually going to be good for him and good for, for myself if we do fight each other. And, uh, you know, I know we'll shake hands and shake hands before, shake hands after kind of deal. Um, I would be willing to do that fight. I wouldn't look forward to it very much, though. But I would definitely go out there and give my all. How'd you, how did you feel about Chad Mendez's uh, performance the other night? He obviously he can plant guys on their back, it seems like, anytime he wants to, but his, his game seemed to stall a little bit once he got on top. Yeah, he, he needs to open up a little bit more. And uh, he did, when he opened up in the first round, he almost rocked, uh, he rocked Cruz with a, uh, not Cruz, he rocked Cub with a, with a big punch. So it's still a learning thing for him, you know. He's, he's, uh, he's still pretty green to the sport, but he can beat whoever he wants with the tools that he has right now, and he keeps on adding to him and adding to him. I mean, he finishes guys. He's finished lots of guys. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Cub Swanson's a, a, a real dangerous guy, and Joseph made him look like he wasn't very dangerous at all. So um, definitely when, when Cubby was landing the punches on him, it still wasn't really phasing Chad. So I, I would like to see him open up a little bit more, but it's all going to come with experience, you know. Now I I thought I read somewhere that Misha Tate is now fighting with you or training with you guys at Team FML. Is that correct? Yeah, both her and Brian Caraway have both uh, moved down, and um, uh, you know we'll see. You know they came down for this training camp. We're kind of in and out of the uh, in and out of the gym. You know they took a couple trips to Washington and to San Jose and stuff like that. So uh, you know when they're when they're in, when they're in town and here they're training hard, but we'll see. You know, if they're going to continue to 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 be in here every day. So uh, I, I like both of them, and they're both talented. So, um, you know, pleasure to be around. 
What did you think of her uh, performance uh, earlier this month at the Challengers card, winning those two short fights in one night? I thought she did really good. She looked like, uh, you know, she was, you know, working working a lot of the stuff that she's been working on, and and uh, I mean some little things, but that's going to come with time. Like I said, she's pretty new to our camp, so we haven't really got got a chance to put them into the the whole system, but. Uh, she gets in there and scraps with the guys in the morning and, and puts in her time, so I was happy to see her win that. If Reed Harris were to come to you and say, Uriah, we're, we're looking to put together a one-night four-man tournament, we want you to be in it, what would you say? I'd be like, all right, let's look at a 10-man tournament and let's double the money. <laughs> I'll fight all night. <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, we had a question from one of our uh, – uh, listeners in the chat room wanted to know uh, who you favor in the uh, Jose Aldo versus Manny Gamburian fight coming at the end of next month at WEC 51. And uh, also, if Manny wins, uh, would you plan on going back up and wait to, to try to challenge him? Um, you know, I would say I'm going to favor Aldo. I just think Aldo's, he, he's, you know, I've got a lot of respect for that guy, man. He's, he's really finessed. Fighter. He's, a, he's an exceptional athlete. He's pretty intelligent in there, so um, I'm going to give it to him. Manny, Manny, though, is a really durable guy, and uh, he's got some, you know, a strong grappling background, but I think with footwork and just uh, finesse, I think Aldo's going to be able to control it pretty easily. And then uh, uh, I would fight him again. I plan on going back up to 45s at some point. I'm not going to stay down at 35s forever. I just want to come down and, uh, you know, they talk about the pound-for-pound stuff all the time, and I've been fighting 45s as a small 45-pounder for years, and I'd like to have some success at 35s, go back up to 45s, and maybe hit up 55s before it's all said and done. You know, I want to do things that are big in this sport and, and, you know, go down in history, so uh, I think that's how you do it. Well, there's been talk over, you know, I think it's been over a year now that the WEC has been talking about putting a, a flyweight division uh, into play, and I think the the consensus is that if if and when that happens, that'll be the time that the WEC lightweights get get merged into the the UFC lightweights and and become part of that division. Uh, if that were to happen in the near future, would that make you uh, more likely to to go up to 155, knowing that you'd be doing it in the in the UFC? Yeah, if I went up to 155, I would do it in the UFC, like for a super fight. Um, you know, just because I think that's where, you know, everybody sees the the top prize. You know, for 35s and 45s, all the best guys in the world are in the WEC. Um, our 55-pounders are just as competitive and just as good a lot of times, but there's just not the, uh, the knowledge from the fans and the perception from the fans that they're the best. And, uh, you know, like I said, when I talk about doing big things, uh, that's that's what I mean. So I would like to go up to 55s and, and do the UFC if I were to do that. I think Frank Yeager and myself would be a great fight. I agree. That would be a great fight at 155 or at 145 if Frankie drops down. Um, now, another thing that's uh, been coming out in the last week is there's been some criticism on the WEC because of uh, kind of stagnant ratings on versus for events that – frankly, you're not a part of. I mean, uh, the the big um, shows for the WEC have all been uh, fights that you've been in and uh, events that you've um, drawn heavily in. Uh, 
what do you think can be done for the organization to, to gain more of a foothold in the MMA community and, and to get more uh, fans tuning in from event to event on Versus? Man, I, I wish I was the, the guy to talk to on that, but... Uh, I mean- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And I guess what you need to do is just continue to, to have exciting fights. I mean, there's some incredible fighters out there. And... Uh, because of that that fact, I feel that sometimes, you know, the organization, you know, they, they take care of the UFC first. So, um, you know, it's all about money and advertising and, and putting in the time, and they've been doing that over the years. Uh, I don't have the answer, though, for, for why the ratings are only there when I fight. I mean, I'm honored, though. That's, that's kind of a cool little statistic, but uh, I don't know why exactly. So, you know, you're, you're in the public eye. You pay attention to these things. You know that when you're on the car, it's, you know, two or three times more people tuning in to watch the fight. Does that does that put any more pressure on you? Is, is your mindset going, all right, I need to put on a show for these fans so we keep eyes on our product, or is it still, you know, just when? <laughs> My mentality is just have fun, man. I think that's maybe why people like watching me. So, uh I mean, there's a couple of things that, that go into my fights, and that is I'm going to fight to the bitter end, and I'm going to enjoy every part of it. So uh, I think people will like that. So, uh, you know, regardless of who's watching, I mean, I don't I don't feel uh, a difference in whether, you know, 100 people are watching or a million people are watching because, I mean, that's, that's on TV. I don't know about that. But uh, my thing is I just love what I'm doing, and I feel really lucky to be – living a life of my passion and, and been creating opportunities for my buddies and, and you know, making my family proud. It's just a good life. Well, Uriah, uh, I want to thank you again for taking time out to talk to us today, and um, we're, we're excited to see you back in the cage in November and, and can't wait for that fight with Mitsugaki at 135. Are there any sponsors or anything you want to give a shout-out to before we let you go? Uh, I just want to thank you guys, and, uh, yeah, check out all – all my sponsors, formathletics.com, like you guys talked about. We just were acquired by K-Swiss. Check out kswiss.com, kswiss slash tubes. They've got all those commercials with myself and Kenny Powers, which are hilarious. And uh, Amp Energy, they've been, uh, you know, on my, they've had my back this whole way. We've had some awesome campaigns with them. And, and uh, you know, they're all getting behind MMA and trying to make it bigger. So, Thanks again, guys, at Uriah Faber for the, for the Twitter, UriahFaber.com, and thanks to my managers, MMA Incorporated. 
Well, thank you once again, Uriah, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to you back in the cage in November. Okay. Take it easy, guys. Good luck, Uriah. That was Uriah Faber, the California kid, uh, now WEC Bantamweight and Featherweight. Um, Got to love talking to that guy, right, Matt? Yeah, always always a pleasure. Uh, I like his... Not only he's he's got the laid back attitude, but he also has you know being the the face of a promotion really has a lot of insight that that most other guys you talk to aren't going to have. Yeah, I mean he he works with some some great guys there with Team Alpha Male, and um, they just get a lot of really good fighters out of that camp. And uh, getting getting his thoughts on on um, the the Benavidez Cruz fight, I mean I want to delve back into that because we were talking about WEC 50 before he came on, and uh, like I said, I had that fight scored. Uh, barely for Benavidez, uh, but I had, I mean, it was one of those fights that was so close, uh, so even in, in so many aspects that almost no decision, uh, almost no scorecard could have come in that I would have balked at because um, I can see arguments made for almost any round except for, I thought two was clearly Benavidez, four was clearly Cruz, the rest of the way I had it uh, razor thin in the first, third, and fifth Um and, and, you know, like Uriah was saying, that first round, it, it depends on how you score that takedown and what Cruz did in the last minute compared to what Benavidez did throughout the rest of the fight. Um, I'm with you on the, on the comparison to the first BJ Penn-Frankie Edgar fight. Uh, I mean, very apt comparison because it did look like Cruz was trying to stay more active on the outside, uh, but Benavidez was doing a very good job of counterpunching, and it was just an excellent, excellent uh, um, title fight. I, I, it was kind of a, a weird fight. But at the same time, I thought it had a lot of intrigue and, and was quite exciting. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Benavidez, it just didn't go down his way. Uh, but I thought it was still a very good showing. And uh, I, I think Cruz came out of that fight looking very beatable, especially with uh, Scotty Jorgensen and Uriah Faber uh, coming up in that division. Yeah, I, I honestly think that's probably the better result for the WEC, too. Um, I think if they're going to introduce the fight, Joseph Benavidez is going to be the face of that division. Uh, and plus, if you if Joseph Benavides had won, then all of a sudden, you know, three of the top, you know, four or five bantamweights in WEC all of a sudden are are in the same camp, and that starts, uh, you know, making some problems for you. This way, Scott Jorgensen uh, gets gets his shot next, and that's a nice fresh matchup with Dom Cruz. And if Cruz can get past uh, Scott Jorgensen, which you know, obviously easier said than done, but if he can't, then provided Uriah Faber can get past KM Izagaki, then all of a sudden the the WEC has a, a big time title fight on their hands with the rematch. And and obviously, as nice of a guy as Uriah Faber is, it seems like Dominic Cruz is like the one guy he doesn't like. So uh, I think they could certainly build that up. They could even you know try another pay per view with that fight um, with Uriah Faber headlining in, in a fight that I think would be fifty fifty considering it's a, against a guy he's already beaten once. Yeah, and I like his take on the uh, the Jorgensen fight too, where uh, you know it's it's one that he'd accept, but not one he'd be real thrilled to take. But I think that would be, I mean, if that's the fight that is set up, I mean, if if Jorgensen gets past Cruz and Faber gets past Mitsugaki, um, there's going to be a lot of calls for that fight to take place. Uh, and and if if it doesn't, then the other fight would be against Miguel Torres at bantamweight, uh, and that's another one where. You know, Faber has said in the past he wouldn't be thrilled about that fight. He understands why people want to see it, but, you know, he's friendly with, with Miguel as well. So, um, 
you know, for a guy like Faber, Faber it just seems like he gets along with a lot of people real well. And so it kind of makes it tough, but what, as long as you're willing to fight uh, people for the sport and compete and uh, stay active, then, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, and, and hopefully we'll see some good fights out of it. Well, he, he maintains the right attitude, you know. He's, certainly you make a lot of friends in whatever business you get into, especially if you're a nice guy. Um, but you're in the fight game. Your your job is to get into a cage and, and fight the guy opposite of you and, and find out who's the better guy. So, yeah, you're you're constantly going to be coming across guys that don't look forward to punching into the in the face. Um, but if you need that motivation of I'm really excited and can't wait to punch this guy in the face, then there's not going to be a whole lot of opponents for you in the fight game because you're you're going to have friends. You're you're going to have a lot of training partners that fight at the same weight. So. I, I can certainly understand your eyes saying, hey, this isn't a fight I would be excited for, but if that's what it comes down to, then, yeah, I'll get into the cage and fight somebody. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm all about that, and, and I think it's a great attitude to have. And, you know, I'm just excited to see what he can do at 135 and, and see, um, you know, you know he's, he's lost two of his last uh, three fights, so it'll it'd be good to see him get back in. Uh, onto a winning streak and, and head towards some success at 135. And, um, you know, if he jumps back up uh, to fight, try try to fight Aldo again, they'd have another uh, major fight on their hands depending on uh, how many wins he can put together in a row. Uh, but there's there's a lot of fights at 135 that, that would be highly entertaining. <laughs> um, someone in our, our, our chat room uh, tossed out Faber versus Korean Zombie. Um, yeah, I can imagine that being extremely entertaining. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of fights there. And then, you know, at 155, uh, obviously uh, a, a fight with Tyson Griffin would be entertaining to see again. Um, you know, that's that's one of the, the few losses on, on his record that I'm sure he'd like to get back as well. And then the Frankie Edgar fight. I mean, a lot of people uh, have talked about wanting to see Frankie Edgar drop down to 145 and um, – it's not going to happen as long as 145 is outside of the UFC because he's going to make a lot more in the lightweight division in the UFC than he would dropping down to 145 to, to take that fight in the WEC. Um, but you know what? If, if Frankie loses the title to, to BJ this weekend uh, and Uriah wants to move up to lightweight and get a shot in the UFC at some point, I'm very much with him. I would love to see that fight. I think that would be another extremely entertaining fight. I, I'm looking forward to to those you know money matchups down the road, but I, I'm hoping Uriah puts those off for now because I, he probably did, still does have a lot left in the tank. And a drop down to 135, as long as he can make a comfortable cut, could be what you know re-sparks his career for me. He's, he's lost I think three out of his last five fights. Two of those were to to Mike Brown, a stronger guy than he was, and maybe a better wrestler, and one to Jose Aldo, a, a younger. Uh, or maybe more skilled opponent. He drops down to 135. All of a sudden, he's first of all, he's not into bigger, stronger guys. He's going to be like you said. I want to go in being the bigger guy. He's probably tired of guys that are bigger than him at 145. So if he can go down and be the bigger guy and be the better wrestler than the guys, he's that eliminates a problem right there. And then just looking across, there's not there's not a Jose Aldo at 135. There's not a guy with that combination of skills. Uh, and even if there was, like I said, Uriah Faber might be big enough to put that guy on his back and, and pound him in the face. So I think this could be the, the spark that his career needs, and, and I think if he gets past uh, Takeda Mizugaki, that's that's the first test. It could be 
uh, big things ahead for him at 135. Yeah, and uh, getting an extra month of rest is, is only going to help him. I know he said he's ready for the, he was ready for that September uh, 30th event, and he would have been ready to return there, but that card was already so stacked, there was no point in trying to, the, to fit the favor Mitsugaki fight on there uh, as well, and uh, I, I think that'll make for a very um, easy sell uh, for their November show. Uh, I think I saw November 10th as the rumor on that, but um, you know we, we talked about Dominic Cruz, Joseph Benavidez, and a, a little bit about Scott Jorgensen and Brad Pickett, but I want to touch back on that fight because it was definitely the fight of the night and extremely impressive from Scott Jorgensen again, although I think he made the fight a little bit harder for himself than he needed to. Uh, I, I think Jorgensen's better than Pickett, um, especially in his wrestling, but decided to stand with him for far too long in stretches there and, and took some uh, big punches he didn't need to take, but it was another thrilling, thrilling fight, and despite Brad Pickett's uh, um, lesser wrestling in this fight, I thought... Uh, he showed himself very well as well. Uh, but I'm really, really excited about the prospects of Scott Jorgensen against Dominic Cruz, especially with the way that fight went down with Benavidez. He's not going to have nearly the height advantage he did uh, over Benavidez. It's, it's going to be a much more evenly sized match. Uh, and uh, I, I really think that Scott Jorgensen can win that fight. I think so, too. Um, I think he's very well-rounded. He's a, a strong guy in the division. He's a good wrestler. Um, when he when he gets you, he's a guy that when he gets you in a bad position, he you know immediately tries to capitalize on it. He doesn't waste any time. Um, he's his only problem that I see is in his last couple of fights, he he seems to be kind of a slow starter against uh, better competition. We've seen him against uh, you know Frank Gomez and Noah Thomas and a couple other guys. The, the the lesser opponents that he knows he's better than, he just comes right in and blows through those guys in no time. Um, the guys that he, he realizes are more on his level, he seems to get off to a slow start with. And uh, doing that against a couple of power punchers like Antonio Banuelos and uh, Brad Pickett in his last two fights, um, you know, that's that's a dangerous recipe of needing to get punched to wake up. Um, but luckily for him in, in the fight with Cruz, Cruz doesn't really have that kind of, um, you know, one-punch knockout power. Uh, so... That, that becomes less of a concern for Scott Jorgensen. You know, it's, it's all about the matchups, as we always say, and I, I think this is a, a pretty even matchup and, and certainly one Scott Jorgensen can win. All right, we uh, should be joined by Sergio Kuna here shortly, but uh, moving on to um, the other major event of last week, uh, I will say briefly thank you for covering that crappy Bellator show on Thursday. Uh, I, it was my birthday, and... Uh, I was out enjoying myself and not watching Bellator, uh, even though it was actually on at the bar we were at, uh, surprisingly, but um, it, it didn't look uh, worth paying attention to while, while we were sitting there. Um, did anything stand out to you as, as anything worth uh, checking out on that and with, with the two heavyweight fights? I mean, uh, was there anything salvageable from that show? Not really. Um, while you were out enjoying yourself, I was in not enjoying myself. Um, the the Hornbuckle Blackburn fight, like I said, was was okay. Um, if it was, you know, one of you know in in the middle of, of the card of as far as how much you enjoyed a, a fight, it would be fine. But this was far and away the best thing on the card, and, and it wasn't that good. Um, mostly, it just made me think that th those were two guys that. Strike Force should be trying to get their hands on as, as challengers for Nick Diaz. Uh, but other than that, 
the heavyweights were really disappointing. Uh, Damien Grabowski came in 12-0 uh, and, and, you know, didn't didn't have a lot in the gas tank, didn't have a lot on the feet, uh, got out-wrestled soundly and still came away with the decision just on, on being active from his back uh, in a fight that, for once, I didn't think that he was active enough to, to win the fight. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then Cole Conrad, um, same thing as we saw last time as He's basically a supersized version of Chad Mendes. He, he can put everybody and everybody on their back, but once he gets there, he, he kind of stalls out. Luckily for him, he's, he's so much better of a wrestler than, than the guys he's facing. It doesn't matter. Um, but you would think that sometime and sometime soon, he's either going to find a guy that's going to make it much harder for him to, to take him down, which is going to wear him out earlier, or he's going to go up against a guy that can really threaten off of his back and, and I hope for his sake that he's shored up the holes in his game by the time uh, he, he faces those situations. Yeah, um, I, I'm definitely in agreement with you. Um, but moving on, looks like we have uh, Sergio on the line. Let me see if I can pull him up here. Uh, he is former trainer for Brazilian top team and shootbox, now runs the Minnesota Fight Factory, Sergio Cuna is with us. Sergio, can you hear me? Yeah, very well. How's it going, man? I'm doing very well, Sergio. Uh, glad to have you on the show. Me too. Congrats, guys. It's a good show. I follow a lot. It's a pleasure for me to be with you guys. Well, we definitely appreciate it. Now, Sergio, you're here. Uh, you're running the Minnesota Fight Factory. I believe you uh, set that gym up uh, earlier this year, and you've got three fighters uh, ready to break out onto the big shows um, very shortly with Travis Redinger and Bellator, uh, Mike Richmond yep. coming up on the, uh, the Ultimate Fighter 12, and then uh, yep. Shayna Olson with Strikeforce. Um, talk to me a little bit about your, uh, your gym here in Minnesota and, and uh, how you got it together and, and, and the fighters you've got under, under your banner right now. This is a, this is a good Opportunity, we have a good facility in Burnsville. Uh, it's an MMA fight gym and also Muay Thai. Uh, we started beginning that year and it's uh, really hard work and the chance to have that guy, Travis, Mike, and Shana is awesome. They are hard workers and, you know, we are moving just for uh, – for the next level, bring that guys for the big shows and build a, a new place, build a new um, powerful gym from that state. 
to represent us the best we can. It's a good, a very good chance for us. And that three events, Bellator UFC and Strike Force, being that event is an awesome opportunity for us. And we're going to represent the state the best we can and push forward to the belt. That's our goal. Now, what's it been like for you? Oh, go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, Sergio, explain to me how you went from from training uh, top-of-the-line fighters in Brazil to training up-and-comers in Minnesota. Yeah, this is is very easy to understand and complain. My foundation is Muay Thai, and after uh, being Brazilian top team, uh, just working with Jiu-Jitsu guys, and with BJ Penn, also when I work at, in Hawaii for a few years, just give a good background. And, you know, Minnesota for me is the, the wrestling land, and I'm looking for good wrestlers. And, you know, I moved to live here, and I found very good guys. And the place is very good to live for my family, for my kids. And, you know, I found that. Uh, good guys, good 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 people. Also, doing just good fighters, but definitely, uh, for I decided to move here is about find good wrestlers and teach more time for these guys. Teach my style, my private style, uh, MMA, and to build new world champions, to build new generation fighters, and that's what we're doing now. And I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, Sergio. I mean, I, I was born in Wisconsin, raised here in Minnesota. Uh, so I've, I've lived in Minnesota almost my entire life, and I, I can say honestly, it's it's great having you here and seeing the progression of uh, of your guys here on the Minnesota scene already. Uh, and I think it's it's nothing but beneficial to the guys that get to work, the guys and uh, girls that get to work with you uh, here. And, and and I, you know, with some of the local shows and some of the guys you've got breaking out, uh, you're doing some great work with these young up and comers. Thank you, thank you guys, and you guys are part of that work, part of that family, that sport is just, uh, is, is growing a little bit now compared to what's going to be in a few years, the next few years, and I think everybody together, all the teams, and no egos, no bullshit, everybody can work together, you know, even when the guys going to fight against each other after the fight, you know, Maybe do the job, shake hands, and push forward to the next show. Show the crowd we are across, and we just want to build a better sport and better future for the new generation. That's our job, guys, and everybody needs to work together. So this is just a part of the game, and I'm sure we're going to have a, a very better future for the new guys, and let's build something together and move to for the next level. That's the thing. Now, Sergio, I want to ask you about uh, a few of the guys. You've worked with some of the greatest fighters uh, in the history of the sport. I mean, Anderson Silva, uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua, uh, the Nogueras, and uh, you also worked with BJ Penn ahead of his second fight with George St. Pierre. Now, uh, he's taking on Frankie Edgar this weekend. I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on that fight and uh, what, what BJ needs to do to take Frankie Edgar out this time. I know BJ very well, you know. I love that guy. He's a great guy. I had a wonderful time with him in his camp in Hawaii, in Hilo. Uh, you know, I think he really he needs to put on the table everything he gets. 
and I'm sure he's going to come with his conditioning better and way faster, you know, and he's going to do the job that time without mistakes because that's his class, and I think he's going to dominate that with his boxing, and probably if the fight goes to the ground, he's going he gonna to choke Edgar, and that's what I hope from him because I know who he are, and I'm sure he's going to show really the BJ Pam. We hope he, he has to show up. Yeah, that's my thing. I also uh, uh, wanted to ask you about uh, Shogun because uh, Dana White came out on ESPN today and said he's uh, not expecting Shogun to return until uh, late spring to early summer next year. Uh, I know you're really close with Shogun. Have you heard anything different from him is, uh, on his uh, injury recovery? Is he expecting to return earlier, or is uh, that a, a correct assessment of his timetable right now? That's the true. He's making his physio in a, a, soccer, a soccer team, very famous in Brazil, called São Paulo Soccer Team. He's making his recovery in that team with all the doctors. Yesterday with him, he's going to come back probably in the Super Brawl. That's what is almost 100% going to happen. And have a big chance for he come to make his next champ, in, his next camp, I'm sorry, in November in Minnesota with me. We are working on about that. But that's the truth. He's going to come back just next year. He's recovering very well and we're going to have a chance to see him, and probably Anderson, too, just next year. That's what's going to happen. So uh, both of them looking around the, the Super Bowl weekend show, is that what you're thinking? That's what's probably going to happen with both guys for the return. So, so you're, you're bringing Shogun up here to Minnesota. That means that I'm going to have to get out to your gym when he's up here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I think so. For now, you're going to come first because probably his brother, Murilo Ninja, who are going to land here in a few days, uh, probably next week, Thursday, he's going to land in Minnesota to be with me for a little while to prepare for his next fight in Japan. Uh, so you are officially invited to come to my gym, and the door is open for you guys anytime. Well, I will uh, definitely be taking advantage of that, and you will hear from me, I'm sure, next week at some point, Sergio. Uh, now, I want to go back to the guys you've got uh, uh, coming on to shows really soon. Travis Redinger uh, debuts with Bellator against Ulysses Gomez next Thursday uh, on yep. Fox Sportsnet in the Bantamweight Tournament. Uh, talk to me about what you've been working with Travis and uh, um, how the fight preparation is coming for this, uh, this tournament with three bouts in 12 weeks. Oh yeah. Uh, first thing I wanna I wanna say thank you very much for all our members, all our all our Minnesota Fight Factory fighters, and you know the support they give they give us. That's a uh, teamwork. We work very hard, and Travis is ready to go. Everything good. Um, the best condition he could be in his life, and you know the game plan. It's a big part now for that stage we are. And Ulysses, we, we watched him and study his game a long time ago. I talked about six weeks ago. And we prepared very well strategy. Our strategies beat him up, kick his ass, wherever we are. And his feet, using his strike, is the best weapon. And 
I want I want to let him know about that. He needs to be ready to a war because that's what he's gonna find against us. It's gonna be a war against uh, the Hillary Camp, Travis Rebijan, uh, Minnesota fighter, ready to beat him up in his feet, to knock him out, and kick his ass, and to block all the takedowns he gonna he can come to try. And if the fight goes to the, to the ground, choke him. That's our game plan. We are ready for all kinds of situations. I'm very confident, you know, to kick his ass. And we don't care nothing and we don't mind talking about him. We are going to Texas to kick his ass. That's our, our game plan. That's our job. That's what we're going to do. And we, don't, we won't think about nothing different about that. Uh, now, I, I talked to Travis uh, for a while last month at, at a show in St. Paul here, and um, uh, he, he talked about how you've been breaking down um, Ulysses for him and, and you're setting up the game plan for him and everything. Uh, yep. Have you looked ahead to any of the other guys in this tournament uh, in preparation for what you might need to be uh, setting him up for after the, the Gomez fight? You know, I, I, I don't see names in my in my eyes, you know, in my head. I see just bodies. Just bodies. Just victims, you know? This is war. This is is how I feel about that. I prepare my fighters to the war and to really go to the cage and done the job. Whatever who are the opponents. So we don't know who's gonna pass for the next stage, who's gonna move for the next you know, um and finals, quarterfinals, and finals. But our job is to be ready to beat up that guys. We know it's not going to be easy, you know, it's going to be tough. And that's what we hope, you know, because we don't like nothing easy. You know, we are working hard three times a day, every single day. That guy, the hurricane, don't have the rest. And, he, and he's ready to blow up, you know. And I really, I really worry about who who's gonna be at the upside of the cage because because Travis is gonna is going to kill somebody. I'm serious about that. <laughs> well, I I know I know we're looking forward to that bantamweight tournament. Travis is a great addition to it. Um, it it's it's yep. great to see these Minnesota guys getting uh, um, opportunities on the on the big stage. Uh, another one was that was supposed to actually fight um, last Saturday was Shayna Olsen. She was uh, supposed to be fighting Aaron Tuphill before that fight fell through. Um, do you, what went down from, uh, on that, uh, with that fight, and has, uh, has Shayna been approached about another fight uh, in Strikeforce yet? Exactly. We just need to wait for a little while to Strikeforce them out, but everything is, is set. Everything is going well. We just have that uh, that. Big mistake from, from the older fighter, but I think it's a stupid attitude and really bad for a pro fighter. I hope they cut off her that because we were are working so hard for that. And you know, they did not see it quick like that. It's just too bad for us, better for the sport. And we're looking forward for the next fight, you know, and to the belt. Shanna also needs three fights before take her belt against Chris Cyborg, and I will make sure she's going to do that job and bring the belt for Minnesota because that belt has to be here. Here's his face, you know, and that's going to be ours. 
so you think she needs a, a, a couple of fights before getting Chris Cyborg then? Definitely, that's what I want. We want at least two fights before the belt. You know, we are moving on for a big show. This is, is good for the fighter, bring more experience in big shows, see the crowd, feel the backstage, you know, if you can't feel, feel confident about that. I just bring Shana also a couple, a few months ago to Vegas to watch with UFC with me and Todd Brooks, the Minnesota Fight Factory owner. And, you know, it's a great experience for her. And, but she needs to be inside cage, you know, with a chance punch in the face to see what is the truth about that sport and big level against great fighters. And so she needs that, you know, that fights, that uh, warm-up tough fights to be ready to, to go to the belt. And this is a very important part for the preparation, and we need that. But at all time, she's going to be ready. 100% don't need just to be, to make a good fight, but to bring the belt home. Now, uh, I know, I, I read another interview where you said uh, you wanted to see her uh, get a shot at Gina Carano, uh, who has been out of action um, filming a movie for some, for a considerable amount of time. She hasn't fought since losing to Chris Cyborg last August. Uh, uh, have you had any talks with Strikeforce about uh, that possibility and uh, whether she's ready at all to, to, to return at any point soon? Yes, definitely we are doing that. But, you know, um, right now I don't see more chance for Gina Carano against Shanna. Shanna could kill that girl. And this is going to be bad to the sport. I don't want more of that fight because right now Shanna could kill that girl. She don't, you know, just don't, don't have chance against Shana. And that was more interesting for us. She moved to be Hector. And that word, MMA word is for fighters, not for actors. If she want to be actor, she keep where she are, make movies and that bullshit. Make her money, we don't care. We want to beat real fighters, you know, tough fighters. And Gina, for me, she shows too weak against Cyborg. And for me, don't have more nothing exciting to fight against her. Uh, now on to the last guy that's making his, uh, his, his debut with the UFC with The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he filmed it earlier this year with uh, George St. Pierre and Josh Kostrak as the two coaches. Uh, it's Mike Richmond. Um, wh- what can you uh, tell me about, uh, about Mike as a fighter, and what is he bringing to this season as The Ultimate Fighter, this lightweight tournament? Mike, Mike, Mike Richmond is amazing at all. He's a, he's a great fighter, complete MMA fighter. Uh, wonderful striker, uh, hard spirit, you know, is a, is a, is the kind of fight which I had like a, just two Mike Richmonds, two Shanna Olsen's, and, and two Travis Redbridge in the gym. I don't need more nobody, you know. So he's, a, he's amazing. And, you know, I think he's a, is a good, good, is a good fighter to watch, you know, he's a, he's fun. The fight, the way he fought is, it's just good to watch, you know, make the crowd want to be frozen on the couch watching him uh, starting to end. Uh, another one of the lightweights uh, on your team is uh, uh, that, that's really making a, a rise here in the Minnesota scene is Marcus Levesser. I had a chance to talk to him also after uh, his last victory last month. He's returning to action uh, against one of uh, his toughest tests next month as well. Um, what are some of the other guys, that, uh, along with uh, 
markets on your team that uh, we could be seeing here uh, getting the call up from Bellator Strike Force or the UFC sometime soon? Yeah, Marcos is is uh, his potential is something amazing to to see. Natural potential, his wrestling background. We don't, we don't need to talk about that. All the people in Minnesota know about him. You know, he just needs to push forward to the next level. And you know, and fight the way he fought last time. You know, take serious. Be you know. Being the gym all day, every day, that's his job. He's so talentful, and I think very soon we can see him in big organizations and representing very well the state and Minnesota Fight Factory. That's what uh, I know, and uh, gonna happen very soon. Well, Sergio, uh, I want to thank you for taking time out uh, to talk to us today. Uh, really, really enjoyed talking to you, and uh, you'll, you'll be hearing from me uh, very soon. I'll, I'll definitely get out to uh, check out the gym and uh, uh, see what you guys are doing there in Burnsville. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure for me being with you guys, and, you know, keep in touch and keep looking for Minnesota Fight Factory uh, fighters, and also we are open for all the kind of public. We are in Burnsville. One four three five zero, Doctor Bonham, in the back of Velocity Place, and I want to invite everybody to check it out the place. You know, to make a class and enjoy it first. That's the sport, MMA. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you, Sergio. Thank you, my friend. Good night. Well, that was Sergio Cuna. Uh, head trainer at the Minnesota Fight Factory. Um, Matt, I can honestly say that was one of our most enjoyable interviews. Uh, way too funny. Sergio is a, a great, great guy um, and definitely looking forward to the, the people he's got coming. Uh, he's doing a lot of great things uh, for, for these Minnesota fighters. Um, i got to say, I'm a big fan of, of his answer to your question, which is, you know, a lot of wrestlers up here in Minnesota, he's bringing his uh, world-class Muay Thai training and Jiu-Jitsu training to uh, uh, develop those those wrestlers into something more. Um, just great, great stuff from Sergio. I, I love that philosophy, too. It's it's good to see that uh, it, it seems like a lot of guys who, whose background is Muay Thai kind of get stuck with that and, hey, let's kind of improve my game in areas around this. But he's saying, you know, let's, let's take uh, what has been basically established as the best base for MMA, you know, American wrestling, and let's teach these guys how to beat people up on the feet if that's where it needs to be. Um, I've been waiting for somebody to do this. It's it's good to know it's a guy with uh, this kind of attitude, and I think if I could sum up that interview in one sentence, it would be if, if Gina Carano wants to be a fighter, she needs to quit her movie bullshit because the Minnesota Fight Factory is there to kick some ass. Man. And Shayna would kill that girl right now. That was excellent. Um, and uh, also great to, to get some um, very firsthand confirmation on uh, wh- what we're looking at for a return from, from Shogun and uh, Anderson Silva. Looks like we could have ourselves a hell of a Super Bowl weekend show with, when uh, Dana White's already talking about Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen 2. You throw uh, Shogun Rashad on that. Uh, Super Bowl weekend shows doing over a million pay-per-view buys. Oh, certainly. Um, I think we're going to 
get into a pattern here where it's anytime the UFC says, hey, this is one of the big shows, you don't want to miss this, they're going to be uh, pushing or, or over a million. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's excellent, excellent stuff. And um, <laughs> the, the Minnesota guys are getting an even bigger uh, opportunity here in November if Shogun's coming up here to train. And uh, rest assured, I will be going to that gym if that is the case. Um, and, when did Minnesota yeah. become the, the hub of the MMA universe? I don't know what's going on here. Uh, when Brock Lesnar uh, decided to fly everyone up to Alexandria and Sergio decided to come up and set up shop. I guess that's true. They're, you guys are taking over. Stop messing with uh, yeah. Minnesota. <laughs> uh, well, we have 20 minutes left in the show. Uh, we've, we've spent much of it with interviews here today, so we haven't had time for uh, many calls or anything like that. But if you want to get in, uh, involved in, in the conversation today, call uh, 646-716-8090. We'll try to fit in any calls if, uh, if people want to um, chat about what we've talked about. We're going to try to squeeze in a lot here in the last 20 minutes. Um, but we're here every Tuesday from uh, 9 to 10.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time. Uh, and you can also um, join us live in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash MMATorch um, in addition to listening in. You can also follow us on the web throughout the week at MMATorch.com as well as on the iPhone and now Droid users. Uh, in the Android market, the MMA Torch app is now live. Uh, be sure to download that. Just search for MMA Torch uh, in, in the Android market. You can find us. We uh, went up live last night with that app. Uh, so go in there and, uh, and follow us along there. Uh, rate the app in there, and uh, hopefully we can um, parlay our, our iPhone success into some Droid success as well, and uh, very excited about that platform. So uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook, twitter.com slash MMATorch, facebook.com slash MMATorch. Uh, let's move on to the Strikeforce show. Uh, try to get as much of this in, in in about 10 minutes here as we can, but... There's a lot more that we could talk about and a lot more that we could rant about out of this show, Matt. Uh, but the small and short of it, Bobby Lashley knocked a TKO'd by Chad Griggs, uh, busted up with a number of punches after a ridiculously horrendous stand-up from Mount uh, when Lashley was exhausted. He shot in for a, a very poor takedown attempt. Griggs uh, blasted him with a bunch of punches, some of which looked to hit him in the back of the head. Uh, more bad refing in, in the K.J. Noons-George Gurgel fight. Uh, split second after the bell rang after the first round, Noons knocks Gurgel silly with a left hook. Uh, that fight should not have been uh, allowed to go to the second round. Gurgel ended up getting knocked out 19 seconds into it, so he had a double knockout there. Did not need to suffer that. Uh, Hinaldo Jacare Souza picks up the vacant middleweight championship with a decision over Tim Kennedy. Uh, very close, but very entertaining fight. Uh, I think uh, most people watching, uh, actually seeing what they were watching in this fight, could see that uh, Jacare uh, should have earned the decision, which he did, uh, despite how close it was and uh, despite the amount of punches and uh, strikes that Tim Kennedy landed. And then finally, Rafael Feijão Cavalcante is your new Strikeforce Light Heavyweight Champion after uh, just decimated, decimating King Mo with uh, elbows after uh, knocking him down with uh, knees and um, uh, a nice hook. 
Lawal shot in and pressed him against the cage, and uh, Feishao unleashed vicious elbows to the side of the head until uh, King Mo went limp. So, uh, Matt, your thoughts on the card overall before we get into a little bit of the controversy? Um, Yeah, we we luckily don't even have time to talk about how uh, usually awful the Strikeforce announcing was, but we do have to talk about the officiating because you you can't gloss over that. It affected uh, absolutely two fights. The the Bobby Lashley fight, uh, I mean, is inexplicable what happened there and and why it's not being made a bigger deal. Um, Bobby Lashley was dominating that fight up until that point. Yeah, he was tired. I get that. He was was cut and had a bad cut. That's the first time he's experienced that. Um, But there was still 30 seconds left in that round. He was in mount. Um, 30 seconds from the mount against a heavyweight is always going to be enough time to finish. And and yet, I'm fine with the fight being stopped to take a look at the cut in that position, but you got to go put him back down in that same position. You can't take somebody out of a dominant position and go, hey, you're cut, uh, so I'm going to screw you, and you're going to lose this fight. Um, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, you know, the shots to the back of the head, it, it's to me, it's, it's a moot point that just something that's going to happen unless somebody's intentionally punching someone squarely in the back of the head. I don't really have a problem with, with glancing blows from a guy to turn his head and defend. Um, uh, it, it's too hard to react, just like in the first Brock Lesnar-Frank Mir fight. Um, you know, Mir quickly turns his head and Brock lands a hammer fist to the back of the head and all of a sudden gets a point taken away. I, I just think that's excessive in the in the heat of the moment. Um, I don't know what's next for Bobby Lashley. I mean, the, the Batista fight seems to make even more sense somehow now. Matt, you don't have to uh, try and call Bobby Lashley a contender anymore. Um, I think he's a little too old to, to really ever become a, a really good heavyweight fighter. So um, let him just be a name that you make some money off of a while and, and let him ride off into the sunset. Uh, as far as the Nunes-Gurgel fight, um, that that blow that knocked him down was, was clearly after the bell. And... I think Nunes won that first round by, by really taking over the second half of the round, um, but it was still a fight that Gurgel was, was in and being competitive in, and then he gets basically knocked out with a punch after the bell. That that fight should have been stopped there, and it should have been declared a no contest because it was from uh, an illegal, an, an unintentional legal, illegal blow after the bell. And then, you know, rematch him a, a month down the line at, your, at the next Strike Force show or, or whatever it is, and Nunes can pick up a legitimate win there. Uh, I, I just think it was uh, atrocious that you let somebody get knocked out after the bell and then go, well, do you think you have enough time to recover in the corner and keep going so I don't look like an idiot here? Uh, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a stand. Um, I'm with you in the the Jacare-Tim uh, Kennedy fight. Uh, very impressed by Ken, uh, by uh, Jacare's striking in this fight. Um, he, he's made a lot of strides over the years coming from strictly a jiu-jitsu background to being a, a legitimate top 10 middleweight. Um, I was really impressed with his dirty boxing every time they got in the clinch. Uh, and then in the main event, I think Mo needs to realize he's not uh, he's not Anderson Silva. He's not that experienced, especially on the feet. He's not that far along in his boxing. He has a natural aptitude for striking, certainly. Um, but against a, a guy like Feijiao, whose entire game is based around striking, uh, you can't leave your and, and be cocky. You've got to take it to him, um, do what you do best, put him on the ground where he's uncomfortable, and, and then punch him in the face. And, and he fought like he was 
the champ and, and, and nobody could dethrone him. And, you know, he, he found out what MMA is all about. You, you land that one big shot that gets every gets the ball rolling, and, and then it's the end of the night for you. Yeah, I think I'm with you all the way around on on this card. I think we're pretty much in full-on agreement. Uh, it was an inexcus- inexcusable stand-up in the Bobby Lashley fight. Uh, you know, the referees have their discretion to uh, stand a fighter up for whatever reason. They have that discretion. If you're in a dominant position, and even if you're doing a little, which Lashley was doing enough, to say he was being active in the mount. Uh, and he was he was posturing up in spots and throwing punches, uh, even if they weren't connecting, even if they weren't doing a ton of damage. At that point, it is on the guy on the bottom to get himself up. It is not up to the referee to save that guy. If he can't get up off his back, too bad. If the other guy is going to... I mean, it might not make for an entertaining fight, but if the guy is in mount or in side control and the other guy's not getting up, I don't care what the other guy is doing on top. You do not stand that fight up. It was a terrible, terrible, inexcusable, um, just unforgivable call in that situation. And Lashley was exhausted at that point. And, and the, the problem is there's no telling what would have happened in that third round. An extra minute of rest on, in the mount there, plus a minute in, in the corner to recover in between rounds, Lashley could have come out and taken Griggs down again and gotten another uh, big takedown and held him on the ground for five minutes in the third round. Would it have been enjoyable? Probably not. Would it have been impressive? Not really. But the fact is, Lashley still could have won that fight. He also could have shot in and got knocked out the same exact way that it happened. The problem is, the referee's decision led directly to that finish, and it was an awful, awful call, uh, and, and Lashley, frankly, got screwed there. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't think that's period. Uh, the only time I can see justification for it is is when one guy is in the other's full closed guard and nothing's going on. But if you're in side control, if you're in mount, uh, if you have somebody's back, there's never an excuse for a stand up. Like I said, he he was he was standing him up to take a look at the cut, which is fine. But when you when you stop the action like that, you you put them back in the same position they were in before. Look, and that's actually not true, Matt. That's actually not true. He actually told. Uh, the cage side officials and explained that stand-up saying it was due to inactivity. He checked the cut after because he saw it after he stood him up. That's just ridiculous. Making it even more unexcusable. Yeah, he was in the mount, and, and while he wasn't you know, pouring on the punishment, he was still throwing punches. And like I said, with 30 seconds left, who's to say he doesn't still finish that fight while he's in the mount? Chad Griggs wasn't doing anything from the bottom except getting punched in the face. I mean, at a certain point, even if even if a, a guy isn't taking that much damage, if if he's not defending himself and just is has a guy you know mounted on him and punching him in the face, then that's when you stop a fight, not when you stand it up and give a gift to the guy who can't get out of the dominant position that he's, uh, or, you know, the opposite of a dominant position he's found himself in. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely agree with you on that. Uh, Let's move on from that card because we have another major event to talk about this Saturday on pay-per-view. It's UFC 118, BJ Penn, Frankie Edgar 2 in the main event, although if you're watching the promotion of this event, you wouldn't believe it because it's all been about Randy Couture against James Toney. Um, Jason Amati had a good article up uh, this afternoon on the site talking about how uh, you know this really isn't the freak show it's being made out to be. It's very one. I mean, it's it's a completely uh, mismatched fight, sure, but 
But it, I, I, I kind of agree with him in the fact that it's not necessarily a, a freak show fight because uh, we, we have plenty of matchups that, that uh, are basically a fighter that can only strike and has very limited grappling abilities. Uh, I thought a, a great example was the Josh Koscheck Paul Daly one that he put out. Um, and, and Tony legitimately has, uh, you know, a, a very extensive uh, record in boxing. And, and you know, his uh, skill set is all exclusive. It's all his striking. That's all he's got. But he's got something coming in. He's not a complete amateur fighter taking on a, a, a 47-year-old longtime veteran of the sport. So it's still a fight that, you know, shouldn't be sanctioned for some reasons because Tony is a punch-drunk uh, fighter who slurs his words and has brain damage clearly. Uh, so in that respect, I don't want to see it. But at the same time, I really want to see Randy Couture take him down and choke him out. Yeah, why not? That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Um, I, I don't think it's a freak show as much as it is just a big mismatch, you know. Um, and, and the only reason we say it's a mismatch is because of the avenue that it's, you know, taking place in, which is an MMA cage um, under MMA rules. Uh, and, and it's like you said, it's it's a guy with with one skill, his hands going against that has good all around skills. Isn't great at any one thing except uh, you know dirty boxing in the clinch from his, his Greco Roman background. Um, but what's the difference between James Tony and, and KJ Nunes? Uh, Nunes, and he's threw some kicks in his fights with Gergels that we don't usually see from him. But other than that, uh, he doesn't have a submission game. He doesn't have a wrestling game. He's he's a boxer fighting MMA, and, and it's working out well for him because he has good hands and he gets favorable matchups. Uh, the difference is Tony didn't get a favorable matchup because he's actually more well-known in boxing circles than in MMA. So he's he's here to have a point proven at his expense. And um, you know, unless something strange happens, I think that's what we're going to see. This may be bringing us back into the Strike Force conversation, but... Uh, our normal third man on the show, uh, Torch contributor Rich Hansen, has called in. Rich, uh, thanks for uh, checking in before the end of the show, and con- big congratulations, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, the, the wife is doing well, and everything is good in this side, so I have a few minutes where I could duck away and, and insult Scott Coker. Great to hear. Well, the uh, floor is yours here. we got seven minutes left, and we do want to touch on... Uh, uh, B.J. Penn, Frankie Edgar, quick before the end of the show. Oh, okay. Well, all right. I, I haven't been listening, so I don't know exactly where you're at. Um, despite my, my opening bombast, I don't think the Strike Force show was quite as disastrous for the company now as I did right after it finished on Saturday night. Um, I, if you're willing to accept the the condition that the rankings are irrelevant, and they pretty much are because, you know, none of the companies have their own official rankings. The fact that the, the best strike force light heavyweight keeps losing isn't the end of the world. Uh, Fajal can can be made marketable to a point. I mean, he speaks English. He's exciting. You know, fans tended to rally behind him after the, after his very impressive win in a very good fight uh, against the wall. I thought the wall looked better against Fajal than he did against Musasi, even though he won the Musasi fight and lost the, the Fajal fight, uh, that he's going to be out for nine months uh, having his knee operated on indicates to me that that uh, 
that fight wound up going the best way possible for Strikeforce. Uh, I mean, I certainly wouldn't mind seeing Fajal versus Dan Henderson, personally. Um, but the, the the problems with, with, with Strike, that Strikeforce had on Saturday night weren't even so much their own problems as the, the Texas Athletic Commission's problems. And for anyone to want to go into Texas, well, for any reason, but, but to put on fights, it's really kind of depressing how crappy they do. They don't drug test. They have they license incompetent referees. I mean, I mean the the Lashley fight. I, I caught you briefly talking about that. They stood him up for mount. They said, no, you're not doing enough. He's in mount. Well, you get in mount. You you can stay in mount and just laugh at the guy for five minutes and win the round ten nine. And he stood him up for mount. It, it was unconscionably stupid and irresponsible and and. I mean, don't get me wrong, Lashley's losing that fight in the third round no matter what. He was done. I mean, he car went. I mean, gassed. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other thing that strikes me is what exactly has K.J. Noons done? And I kind of like K.J. Noons' game. The difference between him and Tony, Matt, I mean, obviously you were just, you know, making a point. But the difference is that is that uh, Noons can defend, whereas we don't think Tony can defend anything. It's hard to get Noons down because he knows how to sprawl and get out of the way of that stuff, and he has a little bit of wrestling in his background. There's your difference. But what has K.J. Noons done to deserve a pick You can either fight Melendez or you can fight Diaz. What would, correct me if I'm wrong. His biggest win in, in strike force is at 155 over George Gergel, who I refuse to ever try and defend again. You know? Is that the fault of, of Scott Coker for 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 uh, being so over the top for KJ Noons, or is that an indictment of the entire company for not being able to build up weight classes? Probably a little from both categories on that, Rich. Yeah. Um, thanks for your comments on that. We are going to move to Penn Edgar because we've only got a few minutes left, but uh, I will say you need to go and uh, either later tonight or tomorrow, uh, download the show and listen to our interview with Sergio Cuna. Um, you will love every second of it. Uh, it was an absolute blast, and the man does not hold back on anything, including saying that Shayna Olsen would literally kill Gina Carano if they matched them up. So uh, <laughs> some, some very good stuff in that, so you'll have to go back and uh, uh, listen to that. But uh, we've got three minutes left, so Matt, Rematch, Penn Edgar. Uh, the fight happened at UFC 112 in Abu Dhabi. I had BJ winning the first uh, fight three rounds to two. I really didn't... I, I mean, I understood the arguments for giving Edgar uh, the the third round um, or three rounds total, but I didn't agree with them. Uh, you know, we talked about this with the Cruz Benavidez fight earlier. Uh, I, I really honestly believed that BJ won that fight, even though he looked bad. Um, and and I, I don't see this being um, a fight that Edgar can win. I think that BJ is more motivated for this one, and I honestly believe that BJ Penn rolls through Frankie Edgar and finishes him in this fight. Uh, I, I, I really, really see that happening. I think BJ comes in with a much smarter game plan uh, and, and takes out Frankie Edgar in this fight. I just can't see uh, Saturday night ending with Frankie Edgar's hand raised. Well, first, real quick, Rich, if you're still listening or still on the line, big congratulations on, on the news today. Um, as far as the fight goes, thank you. Um, this to me, I'm with you. It, it seems a lot like the the first Shogun uh, Machida fight where we all said, well, 
you know, Shogun basically fought a perfect fight. Um, I don't know what he's going to do next time, and, and Machida can make all these improvements and know what he's up against this time and, and make the adjustments and win handily. Um, and Shogun came out and knocked out Machida. So basically that's to say it's MMA, so anything can happen, which is, you know, a cop-out answer. Um, but analyzing it, certainly it seems like BJ was, was sluggish in that fight, and Frankie Edgar fought the fight of his life. Uh, and, and like you, I still gave it to BJ. Um, so I, I think in this one, I, I would assume he's more aggressive. Um, I would hope that he attempts to take Frankie Edgar down at some point because uh, BJ, uh, BJ Penn's not just great on the mat. He's so much better than everybody else that it, it, it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's going to tap you out if he gets you there. He's just become so confident in his hands and so reliant on his boxing that uh, it's it's only when he's taken down that he uses his jujitsu, and a lot of times once he gets taken down, he's he's, he's too tired to to do anything about it. Uh, I think he needs to get this fight to the ground early in the fight and and wear down the smaller, weaker fighter in Frankie Edgar. Um, I'm not ready to make a prediction yet. I got a few more days on that. And uh, quick plug, we'll get the the contest info up either tomorrow or, or Thursday morning. So keep an eye out for that. But uh, I definitely think this is BJ's fight to win. Rich, less than a minute. Give me your pick on that fight. Yeah, I'm not ready to make a prediction on it either because I don't know whether to say murder or just serious critical injury by BJ Penn on Frankie Edgar. So I, I suppose one could glean from that that I'm leaning towards putting money on BJ Penn if I were to do so. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it, it's the first decision was ridiculous and horse crap, and I think BJ Penn's going to come out with murderous intent and determined to not leave it in the hands of incompetent, blind referees who think punching the air in front of his nose counts as scoring. All right. Well, Rich, thanks for joining us at the end of the show, and congratulations once again. Uh, and thanks, Come everyone, for listening in today. Thanks uh, to uh, Uriah Faber and Sergio Kuna for joining us on the show. If you're listening throughout the week, be sure to join us on Tuesdays from uh, 9 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're running out of time here, so we'll be back live next week for the UFC 118 review. So for Matt Pelkey and Rich Hansen, this is Jamie Penick signing off.